Perry is passing, uh, you know, uh, playing uh, Chandler Bing, right, uh, in the popular sitcom Friends. And it is said that a lot of people around the world learned English by watching the, 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 the episodes, right? Watching the show. And, you know, like, it's really about, you know, everyday interactions among friends, right? So the themes of loyalty, right? Or even just uh, love, sometimes betrayal, like kind of letting each other down, and, uh, and all these things would just play out. You know, friendship uh, is one of the most important aspects of being human. Loneliness is something that is really devastating. And it's really difficult for any person. When you have this loneliness, oh man, it can be very, it can be very challenging. I remember like, uh, once again, you know, as many of you guys know, I got married when I was, when I, at age 40. So man, the first 40 years, man, just, I, it was really difficult for me, right? Just trying to deal with this somehow, something is missing in my life, kind of, where is my better half, you know, this and that, and. Um, so it's, um, it was a definitely a challenging time. And so, yeah, just having that, that just feeling lonely or that there is, there is no one that can truly understand me in this world, that is such a, a devastating thing, right? You know, like, um, if you are really unruly in prison, right, in, of all places, in prison, what happens is you get locked up at times, in a solitary confinement. And that is considered torturous, right? Because you are cut off from what little human interaction that you get to begin with, right? So like when you watch movies and things, I don't know if they still do that. Probably they don't do that anymore, but man, you know, like in the movies when you watch, right, there are people that are kind of really causing a lot of trouble, even among the inmates and whatever, right? And then they're put in like solitary confinement and Man, that really messes up people, right? If you are put in there for like extended time over a year, not a year, but like months at a time, man, that would drive the people insane because they just don't have any human interaction, right? It's a torture. I don't know about you, but it would drive me crazy if I am alone for an extended, uh, extended time. Like... Uh, it's like a really old movie, but um, there was a movie called Castaway, Tom Hanks, you know, the guy that, you know, Tom Hanks was like put in a deserted island and, you know, like it got to a point where like, uh, I, I thought he really played well and there's a part where like he's like actually talking to this volleyball, right, Wilson, right, and so he's like carrying a conversation um, and that, that's what it comes down to, like we really need interaction with one another. You know, I once heard a definition of friendship, and I kind of liked it. And so this definition goes something like this. A friend is someone who comes in when the world has gone out. I, like, I kind of like that. A friend is someone who comes in when the world has gone out. Even when the world has turned its back on you, a friend would be there, would be there for you, right, to... Uh, comfort you, to encourage you, to say, hey, I am here for you, right? 
Now, I'm not here to talk about human friendship or how to make good friends or how, how to make good friends, even though these are, I think, good topics. My focus is on friendship with God. First, you know, why do we need friendship with God? Why? It's because, first, because we were created like God. That's the reason why. We were created like God. You know, when God created Adam in the, in the Garden of Eden, and he created him in his own image, right? In his own image, nonetheless. And yet, God still said, when he looked at him, he said, it is not good that men should be alone. It just wasn't good that he would be left and should be alone. It wasn't good for Adam because he was alone and lonely. And remember, when God said that, this is before the fall, before you know, Eve was created, before they disobeyed the Lord. So it, the, he was in a state we would never understand what it was, must have been like because he, did, he, did, he wasn't sinful at that time. Before the fall, God says it is not good for him to be alone. The late Tim Keller says, Adam was lonely because he was created like God. He was created in his image. In other words, because he was created like God, he had to have someone to love, someone to talk to, talk with, someone to work with, because that's how God was, because he was created like him. God, a triune God, one God in three distinct persons, is an eternal fellowship with one another, constantly communicating and you know, loving each other. And at the time, Adam did not have that. We feel lonely because we are made in the image of God, because we are created like God. That's why we feel lonely. You understand? We are not like God when we are in isolation. When we're like, I, I, don't, I don't want other people. I just want to be left alone by myself. We are not like God. That's not what God has intended for us. When we are alone, we are not like God. We were meant to be in relationships with one another. We were meant to be in community, in friendship with one another. I'm just, man, I don't know. I'm moving, I just, uh, coming, just having all these uh, uh, movie references. And there's another movie, uh, Into the Wild. Have, I don't know if you guys ever heard of that movie. It's basically, uh, it's based on a true story of this guy named uh, Chris McCandless. Actually, I didn't know that he, he was actually, he, uh, he went to a Wood, uh, Woodson High School here in Fairfax, right? So he's from this area, and he's a smart dude, and uh, he, went, uh, he graduated uh, from Emory University uh, in Georgia. Smart guy, smart guy. But somehow, he just wanted to experiment and just kind of uh, live life on a very uh, bare minimum kind of thing. He loved outdoors, and so he somehow hitched way after he graduated. He made his way to Alaska, right? 
And so he went into the wild against the advice of people there. And then eventually, uh, he was stuck. He, he found this like, deserted, um, abandoned uh, bus that uh, was his makeshift like shelter. Um, but somehow, he couldn't come out of it. And so uh, basically, the people think that, uh, that they think that he, uh, he was starved to death. Uh, but in the movie, at least in the movie, he uh, ate some fruit that was, I guess, poisonous or something. So he was slowly dying. And as, he is like, as his life is uh, flashing by, right? And then, you know, with his last breath, he is like really just, uh, um, he comes to this one realization, right? And he writes, uh, just having a hard time, but he writes this, happiness is only real when shared. Right? Happiness is only real when shared. If you think about it, yeah, like, can you be really happy when no one is around? Uh, maybe, but it's not really real because there is no one that can just, uh, just share your joy with, joy with. When you are with other people, your excitement, your uh, you know, just joy, it, it just, it gets compounded, it gets, you know, escalated, right? That's what happens. When we are left alone, there is nothing that can really be considered real. Like, you know, when you uh, watch, uh, like, the football games or something, like, uh, uh, you know, I remember a time when uh, the team that I used to root for was in the Super Bowl or something. You know, it's one thing to just watch uh, I'm sorry to say with Grace, just because she doesn't really understand football, and so she's like, what does that mean? What, what is, why does it say second and two? Or like, I'm like, just trying to explain all those things, and like, you know, when my team is like winning, I'm getting really excited, but she's, she doesn't really care, right? She's just there to watch the commercials, right? And so she doesn't care. But when I'm with other guys, right? The people who are just like really into it and just watching it together, you get, oh, you know, just drop the pass or like touchdown and we go crazy, right? Um, so that's like how it is that we are meant to be with one another as we, and also when we are grieving, just being with other people. And that's why, like, you know, I make it a, a point to try to go to, you know, weddings and, and, and funerals because that really, these things really mean a lot, right? Share. Share it together with one another. Because we are like God, we need friendship with him. And also, why do we need God? Or why do we need a friendship with him? It's because we need friendship because we need him. Jesus is saying here, right here in this passage, that what we need is friendship with him. We must know him. And love him. Because apart from him, we are lost. We are absolutely blind. We can do nothing without him. And no human friends can ever be the friend that Jesus is to us. A genuine friend is someone who lets you in and someone who will not let you down. Right? Um, because, you know, if somebody, is, uh, somebody who is uh, letting you in, but if he's letting you down constantly, right, <sighs> is, is he really a friend, right? Uh, he says, oh, yeah, I'll be there. I'm just going to support you. And then 
he's like constantly, the person is constantly letting you down. He's like, he's not there for you. Like, what, you know, that's not really, uh, really a good, fr- a genuine friend. Or somebody who will not let you down. But if that person is not letting you in, he's basically more like a counselor to you, right? He will not let you down, but he's not really letting you in. There is no intimacy, right? So you have to have someone who is, somebody who is letting you in and someone who, is, who will not let you down. And here in these verses, right, Jesus says, I told you, you know, I told you everything here, right? In um, verse 15, yeah, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. He's somebody who is letting you in, and also he's somebody who will not let you let me down, right? In verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. That he will offer up his own life for the sake of his friends. He will not let us down, let you down, right? Have you ever had a bruising experience of someone that you are really close to, really brutal experiences. Of course you have. It could be at times, sorry to say, but for the married folks, it could be sometimes our spouse. It's like, it's really, it can be really difficult. Maybe it's your children, our parents, siblings, sometimes our church folks, where they really let us down. It's personal, it's hurtful, and we've been there, especially the people that mean a lot to us. And when, we, when they do certain things, that we get really hurt by it. No one can ever feel our deepest need like Jesus can, because we are all flawed people that are capable of letting each other down at any given moment but not Jesus. And Jesus says, I call you friends. And you know, no other religion can ever claim such a concept, friendship with God. You look at Islam, Buddhism, whatever the religion out there, right? No one can really claim or have this concept of mortal human beings having friendship with God. Before Jesus came, the Jews believed that only like this extra, extra special people like Abraham and Moses could become friends of God. Because in the Old Testament, those are the only two people who were called the friends of God. Yes, they were actually called friends of God. But there were only two of millions and millions of people, Abraham and Moses. It was absolutely unthinkable for regular folks like me and you or even just people at that time, right? That they would be considered friends of God. It had to be just exceptional, exceptional individual like Abraham and Moses who have done some incredible things, but not regular folks. But Jesus comes along and says, whoever is following him will become his friends. What a declaration. 
That was an unheard of, radical concept. Even for like, let's say, even in today's term, consider President President Biden. Right, his circle of friends would include, yeah, the people that are really close to him. Right, he has got the inner circle, and maybe some like outrageous like donors, maybe. But regular folks like this, can we ever consider him? He's he's unapproachable, right? I mean, secret service people will just block us from even getting close to him. Try to even just call and White House. You think he's gonna answer our call? No way, right? We can't ever even dare to dream of being a friend to a human being, somebody who somebody who is of power like that. The God of this universe is offering that friendship with us. Other religions have their you know, sacred writings, and that is all they have. That is all they are left with, but not Christianity. Not only do we have the word of God, but also the living person. Our connections isn't just limited to the ancient writing, but a personal relationship with someone who is still alive, someone who is intimately involved in our lives. Jesus offers more than a set of teaching, but himself. And the invitation of Jesus here for friendship demonstrates his initiative of grace. I've called you friends. I am letting you in so that you can be friends. And I will, not only just letting you in, but I will die for you. There is no greater love than this. And he has demonstrated that through the cross. You know, in ancient times, there were different kinds and levels of friendship. Like political or military alliance, to their own advantage, was a friendship in those times. It's like you know, forming a, some kind of strategic partnership. Right? That would be considered, hey, we are friends. Like, you know, like, um, say, to kind of contain the Iranian like, you know, influence, you know, the United States would have this strategic partnership with Saudi Arabia or something like that, right? Because they are, they are rivals, right? And so, you know, so the U.S. is, you know, making friends, friendship with, or strategic alliance with, with Saudi Arabia. Like, back in those days, it would be considered, hey, we are friends. Even, like, right, uh, in today's term, too, we would, on an official level, they say, yeah, we are friends. Even though there are a lot of things that are going on behind the scenes. Back then, the ideals of friendship included loyalty, equality, mutual sharing of all possessions, and intimacy where a friend could share everything in confidence. And Jesus here is especially emphasizing the last point of sharing everything in confidence. When we look at verse 15, I've, I've called you friends, and now I tell, because a servant does not know what the master is doing, but I'm calling you friends. I'm letting you in, letting you know what's going on, right? 
and I have made known to you. Whatever that I have heard from the Father, I have now revealed it to you, disclosed it to you. Because you are my friends now. The change of relationship from servants to friendship is significant, right? And I'm not just talking about a difference in attitude here. Because, you know, when you are, um, like we may think that, oh, calling us from servants to friends, so like his basic, like, attitude toward us has changed. We may think like that, but that's not what he's talking about, right? Because, you know, verse 14 makes, makes it clear that obedience is the basis of our friendship with him. In verse 14, it says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. You see, so the obedience is the basis of our friendship, or our relationship and fellowship with God. Whether you're servant, considered servants or friends, there's an obedience that's involved. So it's not that Jesus is not talking about by calling us friends, that he's, oh, yeah, we're, I'm going to be nicer to you. Before, I, you know, I was like a slave master, and now I'm going to treat you like friends. So there's a difference in the way I would, that my attitude towards you has changed. That's not what Jesus is talking about, because, once again, obedience is the basis, foundation of our relationship with him. The distinction lies, then what does that mean, calling us not only uh, servants, but uh, considering us not as uh, simply servants, but friends, the distinction lies in intimacy and communication, not difference in attitude. Servants blindly obey. They don't know, the, uh, the master doesn't have to say anything, just you do it. Right? I am your master, so you do. You're my servant. You just do whatever I tell you to do. You don't need to know what I'm thinking or what my intentions are. You just do what I tell you. Whereas friends don't have to. Says, As friends, I'm letting you know everything that I've heard from the Father. I'm making it to you. Whatever the plan that the Father has had from the beginning of the world, I'm letting you know where, the, where true friendship exists, true disclosure takes place. So I have a, you know, a two, three guys, that, that, uh, accountability guys. That, so we, we went to college together. So ever since then, um, all of them are in ministry. So ever since then, we've you know, been uh, keeping in contact. So every week, we, uh, we used to meet in person, but now... Uh, there's a guy that just uh, are out in, in the different part of the, the country. And so we, we call or like Zoom. Um, so every week we share, right? So they know everything about me. Uh, all the, the exhilarating moments and some really like ugly, like the struggles and the, all these things that I've been going through. We know about everything. So it's been, what, 20, over, tw- uh, over 25 years of meeting, oh, like, constantly just uh, fellowshipping and praying for each other. Because you know, we are all in ministry, so we kind of identify with each other what you know, one is going through when things happen in their lives. Um, so, we, so I really consider them as my friends because I know that they are not going to judge me uh, when I, even I'm just talking, hey, this is my, what, what's going on? I am this and that and spilling my guts out 
And they would not say, hey, how could you, right? But they would say, they would simply listen and they just pray for strength and guidance, all these things. The true friendship, there is a true disclosure. You don't have to hide anything. Now, I think one of the biggest fears that we have as human beings is a fear of rejection. What if, uh, would they really, would he or she accept me if they really find out who I really am? what I'm really struggling with, what I'm really thinking, if they know all the weaknesses and shortcomings about me, will he or will she will still consider me as a friend? There will be, uh, we fear that they would probably like, they get so disappointed. So we, are, we fear rejection. That's why oftentimes we are afraid of being honest with each other. There's only a certain level of vulnerability or honesty that we carry with each other because we fear rejection. I don't want people to really know, truly know everything about me because they're not going to like me then. They're going to be so disappointed. So I have to somehow, but I got to let people in somehow for us to really have any, have any, carry any meaningful relationship, we got to let people in, but there are different degrees, but we don't want to fully like reveal ourselves, many of us, it's because we fear rejection. But a true friend is somebody who would come and receive us. Even on a human level, you look at your, the, the, the level of friendship that you have with other people. It really depends on the level of vulnerability and how honest you are with that person. But the more you are uh, not willing to share, then obviously the, the the level of intimacy will be, it'll be shallow. But the more you're willing to share what you're really, what's really going through and share uh, and just reveal and disclose it, then there will be a deeper intimacy that takes place. So think about your friends that you have. If you wonder, why do I, do I not have many friends? Likely it's because maybe you are, not, you are afraid of letting people in. You may carry some funny conversations, talk about sports or shopping or talk about like pictures in the Instagram or what have you. But is there something that's going deeper? Because when there's a deeper intimacy, then there's a deeper friendship that, that gets developed. And here, Jesus says, what I have heard from the Father. And you guys are mortal beings. You guys are so finite, you know, just, you know, you know, not smart people, so I'm going to only just hold on to, I'm going to just, you know, hold on to just, withdraw, I mean, just withhold some things. I'm going to only just letting it just like a little sprinkle. That's all I'm going to tell you. No, he says, what I've heard from the Father, I am letting you in. I'm telling you what I've heard from the Father, and this is his will. This is what he's going to do to save and redeem his people. Not only does he talk about it, he actually carries it out and goes to the cross on his own accord. Even being the Lord of life has the authority to give and take life, but he lays down his own life for the sake of people that were rebelling against him. That is the friend that Jesus is to us. To be called friends by God, who sustains all things, is a great privilege. 
So friendship with God is referring to intimacy based on obedience. It's not just being chummy with someone and becoming a buddy. One time I, I, I was cringing when I heard, uh, I didn't listen to the, listen to the, to the sermon, but there was this uh, sermon note that says, Jesus is my BFF, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, what is he really talking about? Friendship, like being the best buddy? Jesus is not that. So then, how do we attain intimacy with God? Do we somehow, out of nowhere, develop this warm, warm, fuzzy feeling? And then somehow you feel positive about God? Is that how we cultivate intimacy with Him? No. It is through obeying the revealed will of God. Verse 14, you are my friends if... You do what I command you. It's not about how close you feel about God or how long you've been to church, how many times you have listened to sermons. That's not the reason why. How do we get intimate with the Lord? If we obey, if we follow his directives, what he says in his word, and as the Holy Spirit leads us, as we obey and follow him, that's how we get uh, intimate with him. So what does it mean to be uh, in real fellowship uh, with Jesus? I'll just quickly uh, just uh, give you three. Um, the, f- the first thing is fellowship of servanthood. Friendship with Jesus, that intimacy and sharing allows us to know God's purpose and will so that we may obey him. The fact that we are known and we are loved by God means that we are friends with him, right? Because without that friendship, we would be kept in the dark. Once again, if you are simply considered servants, we would not know what his intention is. But now we know his will, what his purpose is for us. We don't know everything. We know enough sufficient to know what his will is for us. We will not know his heart, what he desires, if we are not friends with him. But now, because we are friends with him, we know. But with that friendship that we understand, not completely, but you know, we come to understand what he really desires for us. And it is good for us, that he is for us and not against us. So friendship with Jesus means being yoked with him in the fellowship of servanthood. That's what it means when we say we are friends with Jesus. It also means that we are uh, being servants. Jesus declares the Son of Man has not come to be served, but to serve. He has come to give his life as a ransom for many. He's calling us to be servants, just as Christ was a servant king. That's what it means to be in friendship with Jesus. It's because he's a servant king, now we partake in and we are involved in, and we we are uh, fellowshipping with him through our servanthood, being a servant, to serving one another, serving Christ and serving one another. And the second, uh, second thing is a fellowship of intercession. 
fellowship of intercession. As we share with Jesus in his ongoing intercessory ministry, we get closer to him. Right? He is one of the ministries of Jesus is he's interceding. He's constantly praying for us. And as we share with him, as we continue, as we engage in it, that's how we get intimate with him through prayer and through intercession. The heart of Jesus that is aching for this world, how he's yearning for the people to come to know him. That is his desire. And even now, he's interceding on our behalf at the right hand of, the, right hand of God the Father. And God is now calling us to intercede for other people, not just for ourselves and not just our family members, but for others. You know, maybe the scope of our prayer should broaden. Maybe for some of us, it's just about me, myself, and I, my family. This is about the extent of your prayer. Yes, that's absolutely necessary. Don't get me wrong. But for us really being friendship or fellowship with Christ, because he has a heart for this whole world, it should really ache us. It should really burden us as well. What's happening in you know, Israel versus Hamas, Ukraine, not just there, but all these injustices around the world, human trafficking, right? all these issues, poverty, racism, all these things. We gotta care. We, we gotta pray for these things. That's what it means to be in friendship or fellowship with Jesus. And you know what's uh, incredible is the more we remember and pray for other people, the closer we get to God, and we come to understand His heart for the world. Because when we don't bother to pray for things like that, how can we really develop heart and cultivate a heart? for people, or for God. It's when we, only when we pray for the things that really, uh, that really uh, that are, are of great concern for the Lord that we come to at least understand just a little bit about what his heart must be like. If you feel like your heart is cold or not really intimate with the Lord, one of the reasons is because maybe your prayer, the scope of your, if you're even praying at all, the scope of a prayer is very limited. When we pray and intercede, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we share in his burden and in his mission to save the world. So when we say, I have called you friends, that's his invitation. Now that he's going to reveal his heart towards us, how do we Know his heart, start praying. Start praying for what God really cares about. Yes, God is concerned about our own well, welfare, sure. But that's where, if you, that's where you stop with it in your prayer life, right? Then you fail to really come to understand the deeper friendship and the purpose that God has for us. And the last, last point is uh, the fellowship of suffering. When we talk about friendship with God, friendship with Jesus, it calls for fellowship of suffering. 
You may recall the time when the mother of James and John went up to Jesus along with, it, with her two sons and asked him to have one of, it, one of her sons sit on his right and one on, uh, on his left when he comes in his kingdom. Once again, they were thinking that Jesus, Jesus was going to establish this earthly kingdom, basically just defeating the, the, the foreign occupi- uh, occupiers, that is Romans, and that Jesus was going to lead this revolution uh, and then defeat the enemy. Uh, and then, obviously, the inner circle, the 12 disciples, would be the cabinet members. And, and when, when that time comes, she said, hey, when, when you actually become king, here uh, in, uh, in, in, in the land of Jerusalem and Judah, the land of Judah, I want my son to be one on, his, on your left and one on, his, on your right. right. And this was during the Passion Week. They had no clue what was about to happen to him. And Jesus asks, can you drink the cup I am about to drink? And James and John say, yeah, sure, what, what drink? Yeah, is it, is it going to be wine or is it grape juice? Whatever, whatever it is, why, why not? But he was talking about the cup of suffering. As we develop our intimacy and friendship with Jesus, we share in the fellowship of suffering with him. He's still asking us. If we say, hey, we are in relationship with Jesus. Oh, he's my, Jesus is my BFF, whatever. Right? Then he's asking, are you going to drink the cup that I am about to drink? The cup of suffering. He laid down his life for our sake. And that is the basis for our friendship with him. We are not the ones who lay down, lay down our lives, right? So that we could befriend Jesus. Actually, that should have been the right way, right? Because we are the ones who are in desperate need a friendship, relationship with with God. And yet, Jesus himself offered his own life so that we can have this friendship, relationship with him. Are we in fellowship with his suffering? Is our Christian life about uh, taking the path of the least resistance in our lives? Are we seeking comfort and convenience when it comes to our spiritual life? Why go in person when we can just simply just stay home and watch the screen? So much more comfortable. Why bother going? Why bother reading the Word of God? Why bother praying when I've got other more important things to take care of? As the Son of God, Jesus suffered beyond what we can imagine. And now he calls us friends meaning he's calling us to follow him in his steps. Our home is not here, right? We're just sojourners. We are pilgrims in this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. Was Jesus ever at peace with this world? Because he were, uh, if he was accepted, and if he was loved by this world, he would not have gone to the cross. There would be nobody that would be just, cry, just yelling, just clamoring for the crucifixion, right? Because if he was friends with the world. Fellowship with Jesus. Friendship with Jesus means being in fellowship of suffering. Is there any suffering for Christ's sake? 
When Jesus says, I have called you friends, he's calling us. Now that he has laid down his life for us, he says, now come follow my example and partake in the suffering for his sake, for his kingdom's sake, not simply just trying to cut corners and take life easy, but to really be willing to suffer for him, for his sake. So, you know, as we um, think about our friendship with the Lord, or relationship with him, he has opened that way for us so that we can be intimate with him, fully understanding the intent and the purpose of God the Father has for us. Apart from Christ, we would not have known, but now we know. So now what are we going to do? May we really just um, be the people that would fit the, uh, fit the bill, right? Just to, to be the friends of God, right? Something that was unthinkable at the time, other than Moses and, and, uh, and, and, and Abraham. But now, he said, I have called you friends. And now, let us live our lives in such a way that we could really be, uh, be fitting. It's appropriate for us to be friends of God as we seek to be servants, as we seek to intercede, and as we partake in his suffering. Let's pray. Let's go before the Lord. Let's take a moment to uh, pray and um, just consider our ways. Uh, maybe we can once again... Uh,